So when I was asked to speak this time, um, Paul said, what do you want to speak on? I said, I want to speak on trusting in the waiting. Trusting in the waiting, as you're waiting on God, maintaining that trust. And it's something that I've been going through. And so when Pastor Bob gave me the go-ahead last time I spoke to speak on things I'm going through, I'm going to speak on that. Um, do you guys know who Phillips Brook, Phillips Brook is? He's a pastor from New England, and he was known as someone who was very, very calm. Well, this one particular day, he was pacing back and forth like a lion, and one of his friends came up to him and said, dude, what's going on? What, what's troubling you? He said, well, I'm, I'm in a hurry, but God's not. And so <laughs> I, want to, I, I want us to realize something that... We have to realize first, and I know everyone here knows that, but God's timing is what? Perfect, right? It's ideal. But a lot of times, it doesn't match up with my timing, right? And because it doesn't match up my timing, what happens to me? I start to doubt, right? I start to have ill feelings or ill, ill thoughts about myself. But God's timing is perfect, so we want his timing. You can't sit there. Job 23:14 reads For he performs what is appointed to me and many such decrees are with him Now you probably want you, you don't have to realize why I chose that we all know that Job went through what Job went through a great deal of what trial yes trial um, something that I would not want any one of my friends even my enemies to go through right because what happened to him? His children were taken. His entire wealth was taken, right? His wife became kind of just, she, she said, you know, basically you're dead, so just curse God and die, right? His friends were no help, right? So he's basically what? Alone. And so I'm going to be talking about Job today. And I want you guys to understand, basically from where I'm coming from, that Job was a man who was righteous. But you're going to learn why he was righteous, right? Was he righteous before God called him, or was it because of this calling that God proved his righteousness? So he's basically saying in that verse that no matter what he appoints for me, he will do it. What God says he's going to do, he's going to do. He's faithful, right? The position of our heart is important. So if you, if you realize what Job is going through, his position of his heart never changed. He knew what? God was good. Right? He knew God was good. And that's what it kind of relaxed in, was able to uh, have comfort in, is that God was good. When everything is going well in my life, I'm that. I can be Job. But man, when the stuff goes sour, I'm just the opposite. I know people are like, well, give me the mic, get out of here. But it's true. Um, you go through stuff and you start to doubt. God, are you still there? And we're going to learn from Isaiah's testimony that um, being honest with God and with each other is very, very important. So let's go to Proverbs 17, verse 3. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests hearts. Now, <laughs> many of you are probably going like, why is he talking about this? I want a good message, right? But it's going to be a really good message. 
right? Not because I'm speaking. I'm just saying what God does for these people is amazing, right? But it takes time, his time. So we test hearts. And when our hearts are being tested, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen as our hearts are being tested by God? He is good. Doubt's going to start what? Doubt's going to start coming up. But when you bring it to the light, what's going to happen? God what? God softens his heart. But when you bring it to light, God actually crushes it, right? So when you bring the lies to what you're going through, the doubt, you bring it to light, God crushes it. I, I've done this myself. I've done this with um, many people I'm, uh, I'm friends with. Just have to confess it. What are you going through? Just say it, say it out loud. Say it to someone just so you know that when it's coming to light, you don't have to hide it behind it anymore. And this is what's going to go to Job 23.10. But he knows the way I take. God bless you. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. So I think a lot of us, for me included, I want to avoid the trials, right? God, just want, I want a free like, pass, you know? Can I just get a free pass so I can just skate on by? Because I don't want to be tried, but I want to be better. So you see, hear that oxymoron that I'm, I'm doing? God, don't try me, but I want to be better. But he says right here, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He's saying pure. So we're going to really quickly look at um, some people from the Bible. Um, I, I chose everyone from the Old Testament, so forgive me. But uh, there are people, um, Zechariah and Elizabeth, um, Paul, or people who went through trials as well. All right, so Moses, he trusts God's word. You guys remember how he trusts God's word? Many, many times. But when he got to the Red Sea, what happened? He was blocked, right? He had a barrier of the, the sea in front of him. And behind him was what? Egyptians. And they're coming to what? Give him some food? No, they're coming to kill him, right? And so he has to figure out, what am I going to do? Now, I can either not trust in God and just start swimming for it, or I can trust what God told me to do. Stretch out your arms, right? Stretch out the staff, and he's going to divide the sea. And he divided the sea, right? But he had that trust, that, that first trust that he just knew that God was good, and God didn't take him this far to die. When even the Egypt or the Israelites were telling him, "Did you bring us this? Did you bring us all this way just to kill us?" Abraham, trust God's word. You guys remember that? Oh yeah, with Isaac, right? And it's amazing. He said, "Where are we doing? Where are we going, Dad? We're going to go up on the on the hill and, and worship God." Well, wh- where is the sacrifice? Oh, God will provide His own, right? Now, I don't know what's going through His heart this time. But I know if God asked me to sacrifice my son, I'm not going to go on the top of the mountain. I don't even make it to the, the foot of the mountain. But he does. And does God take his son? No. He puts the wood on his back. And you remember Jesus had a cross on his back. And he walked up the, the, the top of the hill. He didn't ask for, for him to die. Isaac didn't refuse anything. He didn't, he didn't fight, right? Neither did Jesus. And then as he raised the knife, the angel said, hold your hand. Stay your hand. And he was saved. David. I'm going to talk about David. And I'm going to talk about Job also. All right, so Job, trust God's loving kindness. You guys remember how he does this? <laughs> He's like, I want to be Job. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking about loving kindness. I'm going to break down Job and David later. All right? 
Now, the last one, or the second last one, is Isaiah. And I told you about this a little, a little while ago. Trust God's loving kindness. Now, Isaiah receives, if you guys remember, in Isaiah chapter 21, he receives a word from God, a vision. And in that vision, God gives him something that is really, really hard for him because he said there's going to be a Babylonian uprise, right, a rising up, and they're going to go against the Assyrians, and they're going to they're basically wipe them out. And so Isaiah is so distraught, and, he, and it reads in, in verse 21-3, which is just the next um, chapter, for this reason, my loins are full of anguish. Pains have seized me like the pains of a woman in labor. Now, I read that. I felt like Paul was saying, like, you know, shut up, dude. You know what you're talking about, right? But say he does. Say he does. He, he understands what women are going through. And he's saying that's what, how much pain he's in right now. I am so bewildered. I cannot hear. So terrified. I cannot see. And what I said before was Isaiah's honesty, I think, is one reason that God had to keep his faith for so long, to keep his faith so strong. No hands, but I know I've lied in the past. I'm sure none of you have. <laughs> but I know I've lied when people are saying, how are you doing? You doing okay with everything that's going on? Oh, yeah, I'm you know, strong, you know, really faithful. I'm just, I trust God. But if I was just honest, I would have said something like, man, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm terrified. I don't know what's going to happen. Right? I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But I know this. I can trust in God that his plan is better than mine. I can trust God that his plan is better than mine. So even if he was going to, say, take someone, right, there's a reason for it. Like I, I said last time, you know, if you draw the infinity sign and you, you line it all up with the, all the grains of sand on earth, right, makes it a huge infinity sign, your life wouldn't even represent one grain of sand. So what are we living for? Are we living for today? Are we living for eternity, right? His plan is eternal. Mine is temporal. You guys picking this up? Then we go on to Shadrach, Meshach. I want to say Horshack. Shouldn't his name be Horshack? You don't think so? I think I'm going to get up to heaven. I'm going to say, where's the Bendigo? Change your name, dude. Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo. Trust God's loving kindness. So Nebuchadnezzar is going to throw him in the, ferny, uh, the fiery furnace, right? Not the ferny, furry fire, <laughs> furnace, but the fiery furnace. He's going to throw him in there. He's going to light it up really hot and... They said, you know what? We will not bow to you. Last chance. Nope, we're not going to bow. Right? Ma your majesty, we're not going to bow. Because our God can save us. But even if he does not, even if he does not, we will not bow our knee to you. So he throws them in the furnace. Right? And God's loving kindness comes through. Right? An angel. Right? Is walking in the midst. Some say Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is walking in the midst. I, I wasn't there. I don't know. I just know that something was in there that was supernatural and saved those guys. So the point of all, sharing all this with you is trusting regardless of what you're going through. I've been waiting for 13 years to have a doctor tell me, in their own words, you've been healed of MS. They have come up with their own words, said, hey, um, you have, you have non-progressive MS. It doesn't exist, but you have non-progressive MS. Well, that's good, but I want to hear them say, you know what, I didn't believe in this, but I can tell you, God, something has happened where you are healed, and I can tell them, it's the Lord. That's the Lord. 
trust regardless. Psalm 13, one, verse, uh, verses 1 through 2. This is David. So this is David, trust God to fulfill his word. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? He's basically saying by myself. Having sorrow in my heart all the day. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? How long, God? How long? How many times have we had that conversation with Aaron? How, how long have we had that conversation with him? God, how much longer do you want me to wait? Can, can, I, can I get freed right now? You know, how much longer is it going to take for, you know, for Steve's shoulder to be healed? You know, for, for Tim to be completely off the oxygen? You know, how long, God? How long, God? But even if I don't see it, am I, am I going to give up on praying on it? I go back to the, um, the parable that Jesus taught, right, uh, in Luke 12 or Luke 18. He said, um, yeah, when he said um, there was a persistent widow and she would not give up on what she knew was coming. She knew that justice belonged to her. And she would not give up on that. So she continued to ask for it. Jesus ends that parable with, how much faster do you think God's going to answer your prayers than this unjust judge? I think my, many of us, I know my, myself included, we don't act like, you know, God's going to act right now. But if we knew our first, our biggest hope is God, then I, you know what? I should bow my knee to him right away. Not making my last resort, making my first resort. So, what was David going through at this time? Well, they're not really sure if, if Psalm um, 13 was because of his, his um, in- encounter with Saul and Saul's uh, wanting to kill him. They're not sure if that's what the reason why he wrote 13, but I can tell you whatever he was going through in 13 was really, really remarkable. This is a man after God's own heart. Now, my point is, do you think he was after God's, like God said he had a heart after him before? He wrote this, like there's no reason for it, like God just put him through these trials, or do you think God, through the trials, purified him to gold? My point is, don't discount the trials. Don't try to dismiss the trials. They can make you bigger and better and more pure than you were in the past to help someone out. Okay. So what was David going through? Well, so we know that Saul wanted him dead, Saul's trying to kill him. He was best friends with Saul's um, Nathan, which was his son, right? And, and David was running, sorry, David was running for his life. He was hiding. 13 years before all this was going on, um, Samuel told um, David that he would be king. So 13 years he was waiting. 13 years it took before he was going to be, uh, be king. And this is in the process. So he starts to, like, question it. Again, honesty. God, you know, what's going on here? Now, if you read the rest of that, um, that psalm, you'll find out that he says, I have trusted you. So he finishes up with trust. But he says at the beginning, he's like, dude, where are you? I don't think there's any problem with us questioning. Any problem with us being honest with God. He already knows our truths. He already knows what you're thinking before you even think it. So why are we trying to hide? Why am I trying to hide? How long will my enemies be exalted over me? So you can see Saul, he's, uh, David, he's hiding in the cave, right? And he knows that Saul's after him. He's with a bu- bunch of thugs, right? 
And Saul's after him, wanting to kill him, and he's crying out to God. God, where are you? What's going to happen? And God gives him the courage to go and snip off a piece of his robe, right? And eventually, Saul's removed, and David's put in his place. What I'm saying is, God's word will never be avoided. God's word will come to fruition. It will happen. I don't know when. I don't know where. But I can trust this. It will happen. So if I can trust in his, wor- in his word, in his loving kindness, I'm better off. Job thirteen fifteen. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Now, just ask yourself an honest question. If God was slaying you, would you be able to trust in him? If God was slaying you, would you be able to trust in him? It took a while for me to try to think of an answer. (laughs) And the answer was, I don't think I could. You know? But then I had to ask the next question. Where's my heart? I say, I know that God is good. But my response is not one that would position that. I wouldn't be able to say, God is good, why are you slaying me? If my heart's not there. Now, if you're wondering why I'm, I'm bringing all this stuff up, like, again, it's because what I've been through. You know, 13 years MS, trying to figure out, am I going to get healed? I'm going to get healed. I just don't know when it's going to happen. I've had people say words of prophecy over me, when it's going to happen. Um, when you walk into the land of the living, you know, I'm like, I'm looking up in the Bible, where is that? <laughs> I want to walk in the land of the living right now. You know, um, it was from Carla, basically. Um, but I'm just trying to say, guys, whatever God has spoken over you, whatever he's telling you, it will happen. I'm getting these, these dead stares like, really? This it will happen. It's going to happen, right, Janet? Janet's like, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Do you know when? No, we don't know when. But I just know it's going to happen. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. What do you think Job trusted in? Job trusted in God's loving kindness. And theologians say that around this time, Job is realizing that God actually, or yeah, God is actually responsible for where Job is. Because God God allowed it. And he still has the ability to trust in his loving kindness. He's in a position to say, God, I know you have allowed this to happen. And he did, right? He met with Satan. He said, have you considered my servant Job? And then Job, what happened to Job? He said, you can do anything you want, but you can't do this and this. You can do anything you want, but you can't kill him. 
right? He gave him permission to do what he wanted to, to Job, except these things that he said he cannot. And Job still trusted in God's loving kindness. It tells me, man, I have so much growth to do, so much maturing. I mean, to me, Job is one of those pillars. You know, I hear people always say, you know, if I was there, Jesus would not have died. And I remember J.R. used to say, well, it's a good thing you're not there, right? If I was there, this would not happen. Are you sure? Because these people were, were being threatened with becoming human torches. Crucifixion. It's easy to say that when in a room where you're safe in America, right? The most I've ever gotten was like, hey, shut up. Don't talk to me about that. You know, that's the most I've ever received. The most. And there are people being beheaded. Would that change my stance? Would I still be able to go out there and tell, spread the gospel? Don't try to defend yourself. I know one of the last words I ever want to hear is God say, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without, without knowledge? Right? As he told Job, don't try to defend yourself. All you have to realize is that God's plan is bigger. His, his plan is better. God, I know who I am, and I know what you've made me into because of your son's death. I'm not saying I'm, I'm worthy of this. I'm not saying I'm worthy of that. I just trust in your plan. Do your way. Is that easy to say? No, it's not. Not when you mean it, huh? You know, I said in the past, one of my prayers last time I spoke was, God, not my will, your will be done. And over the last month, I've been asking myself, do I actually mean that? Are they just words or do I actually mean it? So I started praying, God, help me to mean those words. It's by his grace, right? So help me to mean those words. Not my will, your will be done. It's one of the most brave, the bravest pr prayer that ever happened in scriptures when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, not my will, your will be done. Because we knew right then that Jesus could have walked away. He said, my will is different. I could have walked away. He could have walked away. But he said, not my will, yours be done. And the man went to the cross. The most gruesome crucifixion or most gruesome death you can ever imagine. So don't try to defend yourself. Just trust in his plan for your life. God, I trust in your plan for my life. I know what you have planned for me is better than what I have planned. According to your word, Ephesians 3.20, right? God can do far more than whatever we can ask or even think. I remember when I, when I first showed up at a church, and I started praying for people, and I said, you know, Lord, your will be done. No, don't pray that. Why? Uh, because we, you have to pray what you want. My, but God can do far more than whatever I can say. So if I'm just praying for a healing, God may heal them and then reestablish relationships that they've been disconnected with. I don't know. Is this okay? All right, thank you. So what can we take away from this? Number one, how does bad news affect your trust in God. When you receive bad news, I mean, I, I start to have like, mm, 
not a lack of faith, not um, disappointment in God, but I started to question like the times I'm in. When my daughter got in a car accident, she's okay. The car's still drivable, but I was questioning it. Right? How does bad news affect your trust in God? I had to remind myself, Lord, I trust that you know what you're doing. Maybe this little accident will help keep her more vigilant when she's on the road. So she's going to avoid another big accident later. I don't know. I just know his way is better. Where are you waiting on God to take you? Everyone's asking God for something. Where are you asking God to take you? Is it a new position, a new um, employment opportunity? Is it on vacation, camping, right? Where is it? Better health? What is it? And then how are you doing in that? I'm waiting for someone to shot something. <laughs> Number three, where do you need to repent for not trusting God? That's a laundry list for me. I mean, you guys might want to pick up stones and throw them, but I'm telling you the truth. There are times when I just, I just don't trust him. I haven't trusted him. I'm trying my best. Is he okay with that? According to his word, is he is. David, Isaiah, both doubting, right? He still honored them. Big figures of the Bible, right? I'm just trying to be honest. Do you guys want examples or something? <laughs> Where do you need to repent for not trusting God? Think about it. There has to be some place. I love those looks like, oh, I think I'm good. Um, if you are, praise God for that. So, Father, right now, I just repent for any lack of trust in you because you are completely trustworthy. You are God. You are my God. And I'm yours. There is none other. Lead me. Lead us. Show us your way. The way. But above all, above all Father, we want your will to be done. Today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May we love you the way you deserve to be loved. It's in your son's beautiful name, Yeshua's, that we pray. Amen.